Welcome to Hire the Smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources and veterinary medicine. Join me, Katie Ardeline, and Mike Powell as we discuss how to support and take care of the people in your business for ultimate success. Great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. These businesses want highly engaged employees and they do whatever it takes to make this happen because they know that highly engaged employees lead to more growth, client loyalty, and profitability. Veterinary medicine is a challenging profession, but it can be so much easier if we build business cultures that attract and retain the best people. Subscribe to Hire the Smile for great discussions on taking care of the people that make us all better. Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of Hire the Smile, the Oculus Insights podcast on all things related to human resources for veterinary practices. I'm Mike Pownell, and as usual, I'm joined with Katie Arline. Hey, Katie, how are you? Hey, Mike, doing well, thanks. So Katie and I were talking, we're like, okay, this is going to be released at the end of the year. Do we want to do a year in review? And we both like thought for like three seconds that went, nobody wants to review 2020 again. So we're just going to... Uh, no. No, that dumpster fire needs to be put out and then move on. It, yeah. It's like rubbing ground glass in a wound. It's just like, why? Why? Yeah. And where we are in Ontario, we're just going into another major lockdown. So let's just talk about what 2021 could bring us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, if we know anything, we know that change will happen. And as far as what that looks like, we don't know so much. So yeah, I think it's still valid to talk about some uh, thoughts that we have for how to best tackle that for 2021. Yeah, I think that's the one lesson of 2020 is when you think it can't get any worse, it can. And if you think you've got a handle on things, you don't. So, <laughs> But I think we got some ideas. We got about five points here that I think are just probably just good for any time, any year, COVID, no COVID. So Katie, let's start our list of our dream lists. So I think for me, the most important thing that has really uh, been underlined in 2020 and I think is crucial for 2021 is to make sure that we are thinking about our staff, Mm -hmm. uh, doing what's right for our people, maybe letting go of some of those KPIs or some of those performance type markers that we've been using and really focus on our people. You know, I think with uh, people being away unexpectedly and, you know, people perhaps leaving our practices, it's really underlined the importance of having that solid team that uh, we're taking care of and that we can count on. So I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is focused on uh, how to make sure that we are taking care of our people. Absolutely. That's a, a major one. You know, as far as my first huge point for that would be we're looking for staff uh, and in ourselves for resilience. And resilience is that ability to sort of b- bounce back like a rubber ball when things get stressful or when you're faced with uh, challenges that might seem insurmountable. And I think we talk about emotional intelligence a lot and we talk about needing to build that. But do, you, do we actually know what it means and why it's useful? So I think EI is huge. Yeah. We need to be able to deal with change. Uh, we need to be able to deal and cope with those stressful situations in a rational type of way. Uh, we need to be able to problem solve. We need to be able to have a balanced view of what's going on around us. So all of those things, 
we can use emotional intelligence, building our emotional intelligence as a way to build all those skills. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Mike? Let's define emotional intelligence so everybody is on the same page there. So I think there's a little bit of a variety of this. For sure. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those buzzwords that I think every leader has heard of and probably every staff member has heard of. Uh, but emotional intelligence or EI or EQ, as it's sometimes called, is really the ability to understand and manage our own emotions in positive ways. So, you know, emotions are kind of subjective state without getting into, you know, the coaching side of things. You know, we have to recognize the emotions that arise in us and try and funnel them to use them in positive ways to relieve stress, to communicate better, to be able to empathize with other people, to overcome challenges, uh, and to think about how to solve conflict. For example, you know, emotional intelligence, somebody who doesn't have a high level of emotional intelligence might sort of look at their life and think, all of these things always happen to me. Why does everything always happen to me? Whereas somebody with an emotional intelligence quotient might say, what, what has been my part in my life uh, or my input into my life that has led me to where I am now? So, you know, obviously luck and, and circumstance are, are two things that you can't necessarily change, but uh, you can definitely change how you react to them. So that's sort of emotional intelligence in a nutshell. Uh, you know, there's there's various aspects to it, you know, the self-management part. So being able to control impulsive feelings and behaviors, um, you know, taking initiative, following through on commitments, things like that. That's self-management. And that's a huge one. Uh, self-awareness is another one, another buzzword or buzz term that people have probably heard. But being able to recognize your own emotions and how they affect your thoughts and behavior. Uh, you know, you know what your triggers might be. And I think triggers is kind of in air quotes is becoming overused, but recognizing uh, situations where you might not act your best and having a plan for dealing with those situations, you know, empathy or social awareness is another part of emotional intelligence, a huge part, being able to understand what other people, uh, where other people are coming from and putting your own ego aside and really listening and really taking the time to figure out where other people are coming from is huge as well. Uh, and then the the fourth major component of EI is relationship management. So being able to develop, being able to maintain good relationships, being able to communicate clearly, being able to influence others in a positive way, particularly in a team environment. So that's the the nutshell version of what emotional intelligence is. I think emotional intelligence is probably the most critical factor when we're hiring anybody. I agree. I, I just think it, it is the key. And I think... You know, we talk to practices and, and people call us up and just say, oh, we have so much drama at this practice and somebody's toxic and all legitimate symptoms of, mm -hmm. I think, of a lot of unemotionally intelligent people. And, you totally. know, they just don't realize how their emotions or how they're reacting is going to impact other people. And I can kind of say that because I think about 10 years ago, and, and you would know this too, I was probably one of the least emotionally intelligent people I knew, you know, so I would get, you know, as you said, triggered, or I would show up in a bad mood. And because I was the, you know, the owner of the practice, I thought I could be a little bit like, I want things my way. And I, I was an absolute jerk to work for. And as you're reading down that list of four things, I was like, uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, high turnover, unhappy staff. When I looked in the mirror and went, uh, that's all you, Mike. Uh, then things started to change. 
as you're saying that, I think there's such a huge impact that leaders have on their practices and managers have on their practices. I mean, if, if people are leading and they don't have a high or even an awareness of what emotional intelligence is, people emulate what they see. And you can see how um, practices could be sort of cast into chaos uh, when the, the leader isn't really setting a good example or isn't setting the expectations for behavior. And often, I mean, people with low emotional intelligence aren't bad people. And I know, uh, you know, we can maybe say if this is the case for you, once you realize the effect that you unwittingly have on people, uh, even if it's because you're coming from a selfish place or an ego driven place, usually people are mortified. And they're like, what do I need to do to fix this? And it's a process. It's not a switch that's flipped because we're so ingrained in how we react to things. We have to make a conscious effort and we have to do the work. And that can be difficult. But I don't think, you know, I've ever really met an evil per, an evil practice owner or an evil manager. You know, they're all just a product of the yep. environment and, and who they are and, and how they've sort of been brought along. Uh, I think everybody has the capacity to change. And I think this is a huge um, opportunity is to build this in staff and in leaders. Yeah. And I think that was, that's exactly the case with me is that, you know, you, you sort of mirror the behavior, you know, and so, you know, mm -hmm. if I, when I realized that I was, you know, an emotional jerk uh, with no intelligence about it, I just like, why am I like that? And I started looking back at the people that had a heavy influence on me, and I realized that my behavior was just like theirs. And I was just like, I didn't like it when they did it to me, so why am I yes. doing it? And so, yeah. it, you know, we've talked a lot this year on about building new habits, and that was definitely one of them. It's so rewarding, though, I think, and I've seen, you know, the transformations, not just with you, but with other people, too, who have been like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, the people who are really motivated, the changes that people people can make in a short time are astounding. Uh, but it does, you know, it's a constant. I'm sure you wouldn't consider yourself like reformed or cured or like you would score 100 out of 100 on the emotional intelligence scale. It's constant work. 100%. That we all have to put in, for sure. Yep. But yeah, I would say, you know, if, if you want to think about how you, you can become a better leader, think about emotional intelligence, think about what you can do to um, become a, a more effective leader. And also think about ways that you can build this in your staff. Also, you know, it's, it's not good enough for just the leader to be doing this, everybody has to be on the same page. And like you mentioned before, when you're hiring, think about ways that you can measure emotional intelligence when you're hiring people, you know, I think, with the exception of, you know, veterinarians and registered technicians, I think pretty much we can train anybody to do anything. Uh, but if you don't have the right person with the right emotional skills, then it makes it that much more difficult to have them be a good, good part of the team. So uh, something to consider for sure. So what would you, I'm just, this is sort of, uh, we didn't discuss this before, but I'm thinking if somebody's listening in, they're like, okay, where do I go to learn about emotional intelligence? Are there any resources for me to understand emotional intelligence better? Do you, do you have any off the top of your head? The seminal work would be uh, the book, Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Uh, that would be an excellent place to start. Uh, emotional intelligence, it really lays it all out there. And then, I mean, Google emotional intelligence, and I'm sure anybody could find something that speaks to them or ways that uh, speak to them that they could, they could build, but definitely starting with Daniel Goleman's book is, is the way to go. But I think the emotional intelligence, I mean, that's the foundation of everything uh, as a leader and, and then hiring people. And I think if I had another wish for this coming year and, and for on and on and on is 
leadership and I'll, and I'll speak to that a bit mm-hmm. just because I'm, I'm having to go through this again because of the shutdown that we were talking about. And it's the, uh, you know, it's that building trust. And we, we had a podcast, I forget which episode it was, where we really spoke about trust and leadership. And, uh, mm-hmm. since I read that, that article, uh, in HBR on developing trust, it was just, it was really, uh, I learned a lot from it myself and it clarified a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talk about, you know, and trust. The number one thing that we see in practices that we work with is clear communication. You know, so you could be a leader, you can be the sole owner, or you could be a manager. I mean, small owl leaders just by position or just by your influence there. Communication and clear communication is so critical. And everybody has to have the same message and, and, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk. Everybody has got to be on the same page. And I just, you know, I, I guess what we're trying to do is we're, we're saying if everybody did what we're talking about now, there'd be no need to hire Oculus to do anything because <laughs> there's be no problem. But when we're dealing with people, we're all complex and we all come with our own history and our own reasons of doing things. So it's just, I think it's the human condition. But boy, I just, I just, if we could communicate better. Mm-hmm consistently and in a way that people can come to, like you said, come to trust. So, you know, if you're doing excellent on communication and you've, you're building up the trust, all it takes is one slip up. Uh, and, you know, when people are like, well, you've been so good for so long, like what happened here? What do you really think? It's difficult. So have to be consistent and transparent as far as the communication goes to build trust, but also careful in what you say and how you say it. It's, it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that goes back to thinking about emotional intelligence too, and thinking about, uh, you know, you might be a leader and you might be in, uh, you know, internally, you feel like your head is going to explode, but the emotional intelligence is saying, okay, I understand this is how I feel, but I can't come across like this to my staff. So I have to either take a walk or disengage, or I have to just take a breath and do the right thing. So that's sort of how that's all connected as you were saying that I was thinking like it is hard work being a leader because everybody's looking at you and you've got to set the example. And sometimes you don't want to set the example. And sometimes you just want to sit in the corner and just go, everybody screw off. I don't want to be around you. I'm tired. Or you want to just scream or cry or whatever, because especially in these times, it's, you know, there's a, a lot on the shoulders of leaders, but you have to do it. And, but I think you're right. I mean, sometimes it's just, you get caught up in the moment and you just have to excuse yourself from the room or the clinic or what have you, and just go outside or just get in your car and drive around or just go somewhere. And I think if you tell people, it's like, you know what, I'm just a bit overwhelmed. I'm just going to go for a walk. I'll be back. I think people would appreciate that honesty because if, as you were saying, we got to be authentic, we got to be vulnerable. So, you know, there's no shame in saying, you know what, I need, I need my own time out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. And uh, I think this also touches on self-care is knowing that you need to take a walk or knowing that you need to unplug for an hour and and really build that capacity to be better when you come back. Yeah. And I think that sort of speaks to another aspect of leadership that's going to be important is be having that empathy for your staff and being gentle with yourself, but also being gentle with your staff and understanding the, the variety of circumstances that they're facing right now. You know, nobody's situation is the same and everybody reacts to things differently. And we have to have empathy for that as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because about two nights ago, we sort of knew that this thing was coming in Ontario. There would be new lockdowns 
And so Sunday night, I'm, I'm just, you know, getting prepared for the week. And I'm just like, I'm like, this is going to be a tough week. And I'm like, okay, we'll do it. You know, you know, you're, just, you're sort of psyching yourself up for the week. And then I'm thinking I'm in a position like, you know, I'm one of the co-owners of the practice. I, I, I can make decisions. I, I have a bit more control over my life than most of the people that work with me, they're sort of depending on us because we're the employers, we're going to pay them, we got to steer the business in the right direction, we've got to get through all this, this, the stuff that's going on there. And I just, it made me stop and reflect about, okay, you, and, it, and it gave me actually energy and it mm-hmm. sort of inspired me to make sure, okay, you're the one that, you're the leader, you're setting the, the course, you can do a lot for other people by being that moderate steadying force and i thought you know it's hard being a leader but it's also a privilege that you can be in that position and you have people working for you and and you can give them the confidence and the peace of mind that at least in work things are going okay Mm -hmm. that's a great point so that was as i said that was my little epiphany two nights ago love it look at you go see insomnia's uh has powers of good too absolutely (laughs) What else are you thinking? You know, and this ties into emotional intelligence, what we were talking to. And just, you know, you sort of look at what's going on in the world and the whole, the thankful, and and I'm being very serious here. I'm very thankful that the Me Too movement has come to be. And it started in Hollywood and it's, it's moving around in corporations. But you don't hear a lot about it in the veterinary profession. And that's probably because we're smaller businesses. It's not like you're the head of a big multinational that if you know you are doing something you shouldn't be, that everybody's going to hear about it. But I think we have a lot of um, bullying in the profession. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of practices, and I've seen some practices, uh, not recently, but in my, my travels, that are so ripe uh, for somebody to call them on that, on the uh, whether it's bullying, whether it's harassment, but uh, when I mean bullying, I mean there's a lot of emotional bullying, and it's not just from leaders, but it's from coworkers, and it's tolerating or permitting bullying to go along, and I think any business has this. This is not unique to the veterinary profession, and just like we're talking about emotional intelligence, is that if I had a wish list for 2021, is that we recognize the bullying that goes on in our profession. I think it often starts in vet school because again, we we see the behavior, we see the behavior modeled, and I've seen bad behavior in vet schools, and I I still hear about bad behavior in vet schools. It's just like any other work environment. So I'm not picking on vet schools, but I think we as veterinarians as a profession have to be realized that everything you do can get exposed in terms yes. of people are recording you, there's pictures, there's photos, videos, and we just, we got to be the person we think our dogs think we are. That's a, a really good point. And I, I also think things are tolerated and it's, it's not just necessarily bullying, but it's sort of this uh, almost like an old boys club. And that's not gender specific much as it says it is, uh, of, um, well, the kids, this was fine. I had to go through this. So other people are going to go through this and that sort of professional generational almost abuse that goes on. It's like, okay, well that happened to you and I'm sorry, but what good does it do to pass that misery on to somebody else? I think that that's a huge one too, you know, and some of the workshops that we've done as Oculus in the past, you know, we talk about all this stuff and then, you know, at the bar later at night, people are like, ah, yeah, well, but I was, you know, um, cutting five colics at night and I would do it for five days and I never complain. It's like, well, 
but like, how are you feeling now? Like, yeah. Wouldn't you like to have it be better? So I think yeah. we have to sort of get over that. And that's part of that emotional intelligence too. It's like, okay, well, I understand this isn't a, um, a positive emotion. I need to do better. So I think that's, that's a huge thing is, is breaking down that this is how it used to be because it's not the same. Yeah, I understand. Hey, before we uh, move forward, I just want to take a pause and thank, uh, or introduce rather, our new service from Oculus Insights, Advice from Oculus. Veterinary practice would be so much easier if all we had to do was treat our patients. Instead, we also have to deal with the realities of running a business, keeping and retaining staff, attracting new clients, and maintaining profitability, to name a few. Veterinarians also struggle with navigating and managing the always-on mentality clients expect of them while trying to maintain a livable work-life balance while also managing student debt. When you add in the uncertainty and volatility of the world outside our vet practices, the business aspect of veterinary medicine can take away the pleasure of being a veterinarian, practice owner, or manager. Fortunately, we have a solution. Advice by Oculus provides online personal performance coaching and business advisor sessions that are convenient, accessible, and confidential for the veterinary profession. Personal performance coaching can help anyone develop confidence, motivation, and engagement. Your coach helps you identify what is holding you back and how to overcome these obstacles so you can reach your full potential. If you are struggling with your career and the negative impact on your personal life, personal performance coaching is for you. We all know it can be very lonely leading and managing a business. Often we find ourselves having to make decisions that can have a significant impact on finances, staff, and the overall health of the business without the confidence that we have considered all options before making our decisions. Having a personal business advisor with the experience and education for veterinary business management can help you clear a path to business success. We have been in your shoes and know what it takes to move forward. It's as easy as picking your advisor or coach and booking your time. It's all done online. And for a limited time only, we are offering a 20% savings for all first-time Advice by Oculus users. Advice by Oculus. Consider it like telemedicine for your business or career. I'm really excited that we have that service. I think it's really some of the stuff that we're talking about right now. I think uh, people may uh, want to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. The other thing that we had on this is appreciation. And mm. let's talk about appreciation because that is that is something that we, we both are very passionate about. So I'll let you you start this discussion. Definitely. So uh, interestingly, you know, I was doing um, an employee engagement survey recently and uh, did a number of one-on-one interviews as we always do when we do the surveys, just to get a little bit more information and get a little bit more context. Uh, depending on what the feedback is like from the survey, because it's it's hard to sort of follow up when it's an anonymous survey. So, you know, I asked every single person, it was about 35 people, and I asked each one, what does appreciation mean to you? You know, because you see, you know, do you, one of the questions is, do you feel appreciated or not on the employee engagement survey? And uh, people say yes, people say no, but it means different things to different people. So I wanted to find out what that meant. You know, does it mean more money? Does appreciation mean getting a bonus? And uh, unanimously, people said money is very nice, but being told that I have done something uh, either to make somebody else's life better or sort of gone above and beyond in my job is really what I need. Or even just recognizing, you know, a technician being recognized for the fact that they've, 
you know, come in day in and day out since the beginning of the pandemic and uh, have put in really long hours to try and catch up and keep up, you know, just that kind of um, appreciation, just somebody saying, I see you and I see what you're doing and I really appreciate it. Um, Mm. You know, and I think the funny thing is here, and and this is sort of the age old um, conundrum is people say, well, why should I say thank you to somebody for just doing their job? Um, But I mean, it's just not, it's just such a backwards way of thinking just because you're paying them doesn't mean you can sort of do whatever you want and, ha- and they're automatons, uh, you know, and this goes back to conversations we've had about employee engagement as well. If you want your staff to go above and beyond, and if you want your staff to really um, be there to, um, to help roll out all those initiatives that you have and to take care of clients the way that you want them to, they have to feel like you appreciate there's a bargain here. They have to feel like you're appreciating what they're doing, the inputs that they're giving. So it's so important to, to recognize that. And um, I think, like I said before, often people are like, well, what do I thank them for? And I agree, like, thank you for showing up on time, maybe isn't like a really authentic or meaningful thing to appreciate somebody for. I mean, that's a pretty basic, you know, contract, no matter where you work, that you're going to be on time. Uh, But, you know, saying to somebody, I really appreciate how you saw that we had a a really uh, packed day today and you came in 25 minutes early to make sure that we had a really smooth day today. So, you know, recognizing, like I said, when people go above and beyond uh, or when people do something to make somebody else's work life better uh, or more go more smoothly, that's when we need to step in and we really need to make sure that the staff know that we see them and we see what they're doing. I'll tell you something. Um, So we're recording this just before Christmas. And one of the things, this won't be a spoil alert because by the time this podcast is released, I'll have done it. And I was trying to think of this on appreciation. And I'm like, unfortunately, I'm not seeing everybody. And Mm -hmm. because of social distancing and this new lockdown, so it behooves me not to go and, and go to our different practices and see people. But and I thought, you know, I'm when I we get back from Christmas, and I'm going to start actually a bit tomorrow, which so it's still a bit before Christmas and after Christmas. I am either going to call or email every single employee at my business, nice, and thank them because you're right. Every single person that works for you has done something uniquely special, whether this mm-hmm. month or past month. But there's something, or, and maybe you haven't seen it directly. I'm saying you, like me, the leader or whatever, but you hear about it. You hear about people talking about it. So I'm just going to reach out to everybody and just thank them uh, for what they have done for this year. Because you know, one of the sayings I love and I, I heard earlier on is, "A crisis doesn't build character; it reveals it." And you know, one of the things that when we knew we were going into lockdown again, I, a I wasn't as worried about it this time because you know you've lived through it the once lockdown, so you have sort of an idea what's going to happen. But B, I just knew how amazing our team was. So no matter what's going to get thrown at them, you know, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be easy, but they're going to do a great job and they're going to do the best that they can. And I, I think that in itself is worthy of just a stop and reflect and thank somebody because this has just been an exceptional year. And, and, and I think people would probably value just being recognized that, mm-hmm. that we as the leaders of the business see them as you said we see you and we thank you so that that is what i'm going to be starting tomorrow and on into uh after the christmas break definitely and i sort of challenge everybody listening and it doesn't just have to be a top-down type of thing uh you know you almost want to start an appreciation virus can't believe i said that but um 
you know, <laughs> amongst your staff as well, encouraging them to thank each other. Although I think often the staff are better at it than perhaps we are as leaders. Yes. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not just uh, people waiting for a crumb from Caesar. It's, you know, everybody appreciating everybody else and, and um, being empathetic. And I think, again, goes back to emotional intelligence, you know, yeah. not uh, what's in this for me, but how can I, how can I make somebody else's life better? Wonderful. I think we had one last point that we had on our wish list. Science. Oh, oh yes, science. So, you know, and I, and I just say that the veterinary profession is very well trusted. And, and I mean globally. We have strong relationships with people. And we as veterinarians, if you look at any Facebook forum group or any chat group, you know, association, one of the more common complaints is when uh, clients come in and they don't listen to us or they would rather try some kind of far out therapy before going to a vet or whatever. We've all been there. We've seen it. and It drives us crazy. And I've been seeing in this year with what's been going on with the pandemic and the virus and measures that there are a certain amount of veterinarians that are naysayers. And I've seen it on, on some public forums. I've seen some people in act, you know, in, in action. And I'm just like, man, if we want to be taken seriously as a profession to do the best for our animals, we have got to live and demonstrate science too. Mm-hmm. You know, if I had a wish list is, you know, is that as veterinarians, we, we should demonstrate the behavior we want from our clients. Like, oh, you're a reputable source. Yes, there's been some research there. Okay, we're going to go along with that. And instead of, for whatever reason, you know, poo-pooing, you know, whatever our beliefs are about COVID, it's just like, you know what? Let's demonstrate the science. That, that's just, that's my little uh, getting on my soapbox there. That's just, I've seen that too often lately and it just drives me crazy. Uh, yes, totally agree. I don't know what that has to do with HR, but uh, other than demonstrating to your staff that this is what it's all about, you know, I see some stories of places and, and I'm not specific to anywhere. So this is not to a nation or I think it's in our own country too, of healthcare professionals saying, we're not going to take the vaccine. Mm, Are mm-hmm. you kidding me? Come on now. <laughs> so yeah, we are scientists. We need to live it and breathe it and demonstrate it. Agreed. So. So any last wishes for the year? I came up with one while we were talking, but I don't know if you oh, had. So. Overachiever. I am. Uh, <laughs> I think just, you know, the, what I said earlier about kind of taking the pedal off the gas a little bit or taking the foot off the pedal a little bit, as far as worrying about production and worrying about KPIs and worrying about pushing people to meet targets and sort of flipping the script a bit and saying, what can we do for our staff so that they are being taken care of? You know, are we showing empathy? Are we giving them options? Are we trying to be flexible? I think that this uh, is really going to be something that's, um, it would be my wish for 2021 is thinking about people as people and not as, you know, we might call them assets or, you know, we might, you know, we always say people are a company's greatest assets, but they're also people with all sorts of concerns and all sorts of fears and all sorts of different circumstances. And we really, really need to recognize that. And that would be my my one big wish for 2021 was that everybody would see the people that they work with as just that as people. Well, you know what? Yours is not very dissimilar to mine. And because when you were talking about KPIs before, I was just thinking, 
there has i would give it the last 20 years in our profession and i understand where it's come from but i think it's mutated to something just that's become almost toxic and that is i see so many people we talk to people and they look at the their profit and loss statement and they look at the human resource costs and go it's got to be this percentage of revenue Mm -hmm. And, and when it's not that percentage they think well how do we lower that and this gets back into looking them as people and i just like you know if you if you're if your bottom line if you're making what you need to make as a business whatever that is doesn't matter where your people rates are you know you and so that this arbitrary that it's got to be below this threshold drives me insane because what it does is it conditions us as business managers to look at people as a number and not as people or the value they bring to the practice and, and it looks That's like it, and it's yeah. an asset that becomes something that we have to manage down instead of how do we manage up and make them even better and so you know and, and it, it hit me because i was talking to somebody recently the somebody that we're working for i'm sort of making this oblique so for confidentiality and we're talking about budgets for next year and you know the one thing they said is well i, I hope you're not going to suggest reducing the salaries of people and i was <laughs> like no but i knew where they got that from like i, I totally knew where they got that from and I was like, mm-hmm. no, like, like on the contrary, you know, you've got some fantastic people here and I'm going to look at the budget and think about how can we pay them even more mm-hmm. because, you know, they may be a bit underpaid. So let's, let's work about how we can maybe, you know, we talk about these, you know, people are the greatest asset in the business. Well, let's show the love and shower the love and praise on our asset to make them even more. Instead of going, yes. oh, paying too much, paying too much. I just, I just yeah, or I, too many people. But I'm gonna, look, I'm gonna, you know, heighten my expectations, but have yeah. less people. It's just yeah. not. That's not fair. It's yeah. just not a good equation. I just, I was like scarred by a conversation I had with an accountant, uh, with a client that we had, and we were sort of going over things, and they pulled out this wallet percentage of, and they're like, "You're gonna have to get rid of three people." Yeah, you're paying too much <laughs> for staff, and I'm like. So how are you going to operate your business without like your key technicians and like yep. silence? And I was like, you know, yep. there's other ways to look at it. So similarly, I had a, a vet we were working with and I remember them saying that, you know, I came into this profession to make a good living. I'm a practice owner. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm making, you know, decent salary, you know, putting money away for my retirement. I don't want to manage my business on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And if I can work with great people and attract great people, I'll lose a percentage point or two in profitability to have a great team and surround myself with wonderful people. And I was just like, I wanted to stand up and just like applaud, like, mm-hmm. awesome. Can I record that? That's that. That should be more of the mantra, you know. Let's take care of our people. So I think we're saying the same thing. We are. Awesome. Well, Katie. We've finished the year on episode 13 of Hire the Smile. I can't wait for more. We got some more interesting podcasts uh, coming from Oculus that you'll uh, hear about in the new year. Mm. I'd like to thank everybody for uh, listening in this year. Uh, we've been getting a lot of great feedback, and that's comforting. And uh, this is something, as you can hear, Katie and I are very, really, really passionate about the people that we work with. Yes. Thanks, Mike. And thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you in the new year.
Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. This episode was produced and edited by Heather McPherson. Special thanks to Alyssa Rubenstein for doing the amazing marketing that she does for Oculus. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.